All right, let's get into the Word this morning. We've got a lot to say and all afternoon to say it, right? (laughs) Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're just so thankful today for your Spirit, for your presence, for the Word of God that is life-changing to us and continues to help us to think right, to believe right. And Lord, we put our, co- our confidence and trust in you now. Lord, may your spirit have his way. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's continue today. We started a series a couple weeks ago entitled All In. Anybody in? How many know there's a big difference between being all in and part in? And you're either all in or part in or not in. That's pretty logical. (laughs) And uh, uh, the Lord has has in mind for us, I believe, that especially in certain areas of life and things concerning His kingdom, most important of all, that we be all in, that we be fully engaged, fully committed to His plans and purposes for our lives. I want to do, a, I want a quick review. You, you recall last time that we ended the message with three main commitments that all of us should make, all right? Remember we said to you, number one, that each of us should make a personal commitment to the Lord. This is all of our heart. This is for all of our days, all that we have. You cannot um, be pushed into this by somebody else. You don't, you don't get into this because others around you are, in, are committed to the Lord. But each of us must individually and personally lay our heart and our life down before God. Amen? Number two, we said that we should make a commitment to certain people in life. And that is recognizing the God-ordained connections, that, that, that God brings people into the same place at the same time for His purposes to be established and for us not to identify and recognize those connections, those God-ordained relationships will be of great detriment to us and to them. He always desires to bring people together to do great things for Him, amen? And so, and so those, those, those people. And then number three, we said we should all make a commitment to a God-ordained ministry or mission, something that God is doing in the earth. We must connect to something. In what area of life are you joined together with something that God has initiated, that God is sustaining, that God is leading and moving through? Many times people will have a, a burning desire and a vision in their own life for something that God wants to use them in. But you know if you do, God will join other people to that vision that you have. He'll, help, he'll bring others around to help bring that to pass. This is one of those things here as well because God has given me an assignment and I'm thankful that I don't have to do it alone. <laughs> but God brings people together to accomplish great things for His name and we are right in the middle of that today. Amen. And I was... I was thinking about and considering this word all. It's a pretty big word, isn't it? (laughs) All. A-L-L. All. It's a very all-inclusive word. And uh, it's a very important word to the Lord. 
I can see it throughout Scripture that that word means something to the heart of God. And it really does mean something to people as well. That's why so many are hesitant to bring everything that they are and have and, and all their plans and their life before the Lord because it's common for people to want to hold on to something. But yet there is great value in giving all to Him. Let me read a couple scriptures to you. You don't necessarily need to turn to these, but Psalm 86 and verse 12 reads, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Notice that language. He said, I will praise you, O Lord. It would have been fine if he stayed right there. I mean, that's a positive. That's a God-glorifying thing to say, I will praise you, Lord. But notice how he added, with all my heart. That takes it to a whole nother level right there. I will praise you with all my heart. I believe the Lord receives that. The Lord is honored in that. When we say, Lord, everything, all that I am, everything that is within me, amen. I've found it personally satisfying. When I say satisfying, there's something in me that says, mm, yes. When I've found myself at times in praise and in prayer with God, communicating this, just saying, Lord, I will serve you with all my heart. I don't know, there's something about that that just seems good. It just seems right. And I recognize that the Lord is pleased with that. Let me encourage you. Make those kind of statements to the Lord. Make those kind of, express those kind of commitments to Him. Lord, with all my heart, I will. Let me read Jeremiah 24 and verse 7. It says, then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me, notice, with their whole heart. This is what God said. He didn't say, they're just going to return to me. They're coming back. He said, they're coming back in a certain way. They're going to return to me to this degree and this level. They will return with their whole heart. Does it make any difference to God at all when we worship Him if we have that part of it as a part of our worship? Does that make sense? Does it make any sense to God if we worship Him or if we worship Him with our whole heart? If we come to Him or if we come to Him with our whole heart? I think it makes a big difference. And you see much of this language throughout Scripture. Even in the New Testament, you see some of this. For example, in Acts chapter 8, when, when Philip was ministering to the eunuch of uh, Ethiopia, remember he went up in his chariot and the guy was reading from Isaiah and he started explaining to him from that very Scripture um, uh, about the Lord and about salvation, that the guy believed it. And he was excited, and he looked over, and he saw water, remember? And he said, hey, Philip, there's water. Let's do the baptism right here and right now. And I always find it, uh, well, here's what it says, Acts 8, 37. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I always find it interesting that it wasn't Philip that said, hey, uh, Mr. Eunuch, um, there's water over there. What do you think? What, what do you think about signing up for baptism? 
Uh, it wasn't him trying to convince him. It was almost the other way where he's trying to almost talk him out of it. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, not really talk him out of it, but he's putting him to the test. And the guy says, why can't, we be ba- why can't I get baptized right now? He said, well, if, if you believe with all your heart. In other words, what is he saying? If you're not serious about this, if you're not all in, if you don't believe with all your heart, then no, I'm not getting wet for you. <laughs> I'm not going to waste time. We're not going to go through the motions here just to make you feel good. But if you believe with all your heart, then let's get on in there. Hmm. And that's an attitude I think we need to approach the Lord with. It's all in. Amen. And, uh, you know, you think about water baptism, it kind of carries this same connotation with it, doesn't it? When a person is baptized in water, they start dry <laughs> and they get fully wet. The Greek word means to be fully whelmed. They go all the way under the water and then they come back out, right? You know, uh, that's representative and picturesque of, of Jesus, and what he did. How many know he, was, he didn't mostly die on the cross? <laughs> uh, no, he completely died and gave his life for our lives. He was completely raised up from the dead. And that's what we see in the water, water baptism there. And that's how we are to serve him. Amen. And, uh, you know, not like, like some, you know, they're going down, getting baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they quick grab their wallet and hold it out. <laughs> or like the individual who said, honey, hold my wallet. I'm going to go up and get saved. I'm going to go give my life to the Lord. <laughs> hold on to this. I'll be right back. Well, I think there is a tendency in human beings in the flesh to want to leave certain parts out, to want to hold on to things. I still got to have control of this area of my life. I'm not giving that over to the Lord. But that's not how this works. That's not how this Christianity thing works. It works with a wholehearted all-in approach. Now, it is possible for a person to have a right heart and have wrong actions. It is also possible to do the right thing, but do it with a wrong heart. I think sometimes when we discuss things along these lines, some feel like they don't really qualify for this level of commitment where they can say I'm all in because they recognize areas of their life where they have fallen short, areas where they have missed the mark and they say, well, I'm obviously not all in. Maybe I want to be, but I don't think I can even say that. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. I think it's true that every single one of us can, either are or we can today, say everything within me all my heart. I make a full-on commitment to God. It does not mean that we are hypocrites if we do something wrong after that. Is everybody with me? Sometimes, think, sometimes people think anytime a Christian sins, they're hypocritical. Well, no, they're not. That's just a fool who says that kind of thing. Huh? I know many, many I've been one of them. <laughs> many, many very sincere good-hearted, perfect-hearted, as the Bible would say, Christians that make mistakes and do things wrong. Not to make an excuse by calling it, you know, a mistake. It's still sin. We should call it what it is. But it doesn't mean a person's hypocritical. You can still have a good heart. 
have a right heart. Let me give you a couple of scriptures as, as examples. 1 Kings 15, 14 reads, But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. Notice with the language. The high places had to do with uh, idol worship and false gods. And this is the commentary on Asa's life. He was a king. He said, the Lord inspired us. He didn't do everything right. There were some things that should have been removed. They weren't removed. But yet, his heart was loyal. His heart was right. His heart was perfect before God. That's quite an amazing statement. Now, on the contrary... 2 Chronicles 25.2, speaking of Amaziah, it reads, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. But not, He did the right thing. People looked on from the outside and said, he's the man. But God, knowing the inside, gives supernatural commentary here and said, he didn't do it with the right heart. Man, I don't want to be accused of that. I don't want that to be true about my life, that I'm going through the motions. I'm doing the right actions on the outside, but my heart is not there. Best case scenario, how many know we do the right thing with the right heart? But still understand this. People are in all various levels of spiritual growth. And you know, a person who gets saved yesterday, they are not going to have the maturity and the walk of a, of, of a seasoned believer by today. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have a lot of habits that are still there from their life in the world. All right. Now, what do we call that? Sin. And they're in church, and they have sin in their life, right? But you know what's true also is true about them? They can be today. They can have what the Bible would call a perfect heart before God. I'm not just talking about their spirit being made righteous. I'm talking about their, their approaching God honestly wholeheartedly. They're not being deceptive. Do they have issues to work on? Yes, absolutely. But they can still serve God with a whole heart. They can have an all-in approach and commitment to the Lord right from the beginning. So every one of us qualify, and we can have this kind of uh, a life with God, this kind of commitment to Him, and it's not dependent upon, well, as soon as I get everything fixed. I remember talking with a guy years ago. I was trying to convince him to get saved. I, I shared the gospel with him until wee hours in the morning, trying to, uh, and he, you know, and he said he's, he was overcome. He was, uh, he was feeling the conviction, and he said, I know, I know you're right. He said, but there's just too many things in my life I'd have to change. <laughs> you know, and sometimes people feel like they've got to, get everything right before they can really full on make a commitment to God. That's not the case. That's not true. He'll accept your commitment. Man, He'll accept your heart when you, when you give it to Him. You know, the Bible gives us some clear indications on how we can identify where our own heart is. This is not so we can judge each other, but we should all know where we stand. In fact, a couple New Testament uh, scriptures give us, uh, basically tell us that our heart is revealed through what happens with our mouth and our money. Your mouth and your money will identify where your heart is. Let me give you those. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. And then Matthew 12, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we know. So how can, I, how can someone really know what's in their heart? By looking at what they spend their money on and looking at what comes out of their mouth. Now, of course, we're in church and we feed you good words to songs and, and uh, sometimes do a little repeat after me. And uh, it's, it's, it's designed to help educate us in what to say, to speak words of praise and life and faith and thanksgiving. Uh, but what do you talk about tomorrow? What do you talk about at work? What do you talk about on your downtime? What do you talk about in your home? Well, it's just something that you can look at. If, if God is in the conversation, if the things of God are, are a part of your uh, uh, relationships and and what you communicate, then you know your heart is full of Him. But if not, of course, you know, it's time to start making some deposits. Load up, heavy duty, pouring things in so where it becomes natural, so where, uh, you know, there's a need and you're reaching for your wallet, to where there's there's a need and you're speaking words, the words of God over that situation. Amen. And that's how we, how, how we can identify where our heart is um, by, by looking at, so, at some of those areas. The heart is always expressed through outward actions. One person said, I don't know where this came from, but, you know, the contents of the heart are revealed by the droppings of the mouth. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark the 10th chapter. Everybody punch your neighbor and say, this is a lot better than you realize. Mark chapter 10, let's begin reading here in verse 17, 10, 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, talking about Jesus, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now, now, how many understand, by the way, that Jesus is teaching him under the old covenant? All right. He's giving him the commandments. If Jesus walked in here today and someone said, Jesus, what may I do? What should, do I need to do that I may inherit eternal life? He would not give this answer. Right? Okay, because that's an Old Testament uh, answer. They were under the law. He said, do, obey the commandments. All right? But again... We're not under that, okay? Uh, verse, verse 20, and he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word. And went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now let's consider this particular guy that the Bible calls the rich young ruler. And consider his actions. In some ways, this guy had a lot going on. He had some real positives about him. It wasn't, he didn't say, you know, rich young ruler strolling down the road one day with his entourage and 
and uh, walking down the road. He kind of bumps into Jesus and says, oh, hey, Jesus, what's going on? And uh, while I got you here, can I ask you a quick question about, you know, like eternal life and stuff? Uh, that's not the image that we have here. Just kind of a casual, oh, I happened to bump into him. He saw Jesus coming and went running after him. I mean, I think a lot of people today that are Christians wouldn't go running after the Lord. They might stroll. They might talk to him if they bump into him. But, you know, to, uh, to interrupt their schedule, to break a sweat for God, nah. I don't know, does that sound harsh? <laughs> when I've been on some, I had some experience with, uh, on a mission trip one time I was in Panama, and I watched how people, when we were hiking through these mountains and it was a gazillion degrees and, and a million percent humidity, uh, <laughs> and we couldn't wear shorts because it wasn't culturally right, and we're in jeans, just, and, uh, and remember hiking through these mountains. And, uh, and just to get to the villages, because there were roads, but they're washed out a lot of times in the summer because of, of the rain. And we have ser services there and realize that the people, they didn't exactly live in a subdivision. They're just kind of all, all around. And they did the same thing to get to church. They're hiking over hills and walking on, on, through trails and stuff. And, and, and some of them walk for an hour or longer. And then we get in there and have worship. And, you know, it's just you know, usually one, one guitar up there playing. They're worshiping. But they go on and on and on. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and it's, you know, we're in there. Uh, Americans used to air conditioning. And, uh, and we're just pouring down sweat and just worshiping God. And they're just keep, they just keep going. They keep going. I'm thinking, man, it's, listen, it's real hard not to compare that level, that kind of dedication that they show and the passion for the things of God in some of those areas. And you come back and you think, man, I know people, they wouldn't walk across the street to go to an extra church service. And if they did and the worship went too long, they'd probably complain. It's too hot in there. It's too cold in there. It's too loud. It's too quiet. It's too, I had to sit by this person and I don't like them. And I, <laughs> it's like, yikes. You know, a little priority adjustment here. Nevertheless, this rich young ruler, he had some things going on. I mean, he went running after Jesus. When he got there, he wasn't all into himself. He knelt down. I mean, this might seem odd that we're describing him this way because the end doesn't turn out well. <laughs> However, it does say that he went and knelt before the Lord. He's showing some humility. He's showing some respect there. Uh, you know, I think a lot of Christians today... We, we've got it going on for the most part. You know, people will come in and we'll worship God and we're genuine, we're sincere, we're doing the right thing. We'll honor Him. Some will even run to Him and, uh, and, and approach Him in, in a right and respectful way. But notice that this guy had something lacking. Is it possible that even in, in believers' lives today... That we worship, yeah, we come, we kneel before Him, we're doing some things the right way, but there's something in life, in our life, that we are reserving for ourselves. You can't touch this, Lord. I give you my all, I sing, I say I give you my all, but there's certain areas we won't let Him touch. In this case, it was His money. He could have been one of, the, one of the disciples. But no, he liked his stuff too much. Jesus was able to put his finger on it and said, Dude, this is your problem. 
It's not that you came running. Way to go. Way to run. <laughs> kneeling. Excellent kneeling job. <laughs> you know, you seem to be following the commandments pretty good, but you're missing it in this area. Fix that and everything's good. You're good to go. What areas today do people leave out of their commitment to God? What potentially have you left out? I know this, this one that he revealed here is a biggie. That's one of the areas that people leave out of their walk with God. They, they hold up their wallet during the baptism. They, they, they leave that part out of their life because, well, I'll give you all my life, but don't touch my stuff, Lord. I, I know those who have had situations where in the past, because they, got, they were involved with a church or a ministry where someone took advantage of them financially, where someone in a position of authority made too much of the money and they did the wrong thing with the finances and they felt betrayed, they felt uh, abused or whatever the case was with uh, how much they donated because they gave a large sum of money to a ministry and they didn't do the right thing with it. And so you know, obviously that's a bad scenario and that's wrong for that to happen. But the problem is when years later, several years later, they're still thinking about it. And they're still keeping that part of their life out of the equation of their commitment to God because so-and-so did wrong. Because that one pastor, that one minister over there, he did the wrong thing. I'm never going to get taken again. I'm never going to get duped by that again. Well, see, that's not a good scenario now. All of a sudden, we're taking a part of the big picture, part of God's Word out of our life because of what someone else did. And we never want to fall into that trap where we are excluding certain parts of our life and God doesn't have access. With some, it, 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 this can happen in relationships. I, I've known of some in situations where uh, there's a relationship that's just not right, but they want it to be right. A single person, you know, in, in, a, in a romantic relationship with someone, they're a Christian, they're a believer, they're singing to the Lord, they're kneeling, they're running, they're, <laughs> they're, doing, they're giving an off, offering, but the Lord is dealing with them. That's not the right relationship for you. You want to serve me, but you want to get married to this person who doesn't want to have anything to do with me. You want, you want to join your life to an unbeliever? That's not going to work. And so they give extra in the offering to try to cover it. <laughs> they lay prostrate before the Lord. Oh, I give you my all, but they're holding something out. And these are the things that hinder us from experiencing God's fullness and God's best. We got to give Him full access. There's a myriad of things that could be in play, and I, I can't identify it for you. But what area do you hold on to? And let me encourage you to let it go. With some, it's their thought life. You know, they just won't take control of their thought life. They won't get, turn over their thinking to the Lord, and they exclude that. With some, it's, their, it's when they get on the Internet and click, click, click. I mean, their life belongs to the Lord except for click, click, click. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, did I touch something that was holy? Uh, uh, it might be entertainment choices, you know, where that's just, well, this is what I like. This is what, I, I mean, this is just part of who I am. Listen, my life is supposed to be found in Him, not in me, not in just what I like, not in just, no, 
I need to bring everything under subjection to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, and say, Lord, all that I am. With others, it can be food. Lord, I give you my heart, but just don't touch my cheesecake. I mean, remember, fasting is a Bible word. <laughs> the devil didn't make it up. <laughs> it feels like he made it up if you ever have fasted. <laughs> but what, what is that? I mean, that's a godly thing. And it's, it's just really about giving the Lord access to all parts of our life at any time he wants. That's the definition of a person who is all in. Sometimes it's people's hobbies. I know uh, we were at the kids camp recently and our, our, our guest speaking to our children was sharing about his, his love for snow skiing and how he was, a snow, and he was a snow ski instructor and loved to be on a mountain every day and uh, got saved and the Lord called him to the ministry and so he started researching to try to find a Bible school close to a mountain because <laughs> he was, just wanted to ski and uh, and, uh, and then finally, you know, he gave in. The Lord led him to a place that was flat, you know. And for him, that's like torture. He's given up his, his livelihood his, or, you know, his hobby. And I guess if he's instructing his livelihood. But um, uh, he gave that up for the Lord. And he left that. And in his story, he basically t t tells how, how the Lord gave it back to him. Now he pastors a church at the bottom of a mountain. And it doesn't run his life where he's just going every day, but I think he said he gets to go once a week and uh, gets to ski. You see, we should understand the character and nature of God. When you turn something completely over to him, he fixes it up, shines it up, makes it better than it was, and gives it back to you. And people are living at a low level. Man, they won't let go. They're going to hold on to everything they want and everything they desire and everything that they have because this is mine. And if I give that up, I'm going to be missing something. I'm going to be lacking. I'm going to be unfulfilled. No, never. When you turn something over to the Lord, do you go down. Never does your life get worse. But God takes what you give Him and makes it something special. And so... And, and I'm not saying that the Lord couldn't ever tell someone never to do something again. I tell you what, their life won't go down as a result of it. But so many times what we're afraid to turn over to Him completely, He just wants to give it to us in a better way, in a proper balance. Amen. And so we turn it over to Him and watch Him do wonders and make great things out of our lives. Amen. And so again, there could be a number of things that could fit into this situation. We know it's true with Scripture. We, we, in, in the Scripture with finances, we see over and over again that if you give, He adds to it and gives it back to you. I can't give that, man. I need that. Well, you, you need little then. I'd rather have much. And it's called sowing and reaping. It's God's idea. I didn't make it up. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Let's finish over here for today. I believe it's only when, we, when, when God is involved in all areas of our lives that we will be able to experience life to the full. And it is in a progression 
it seems that the Lord reveals to us areas that need to be submitted to Him. And He's merciful in that. He's kind in that. How He doesn't just dump it all on you and say, get it right. You know what I'm saying? You can have a perfect heart before God. But as you go forward, He'll increase you and cause you to see things. And when you see Him, you make further adjustments because your heart is right with Him. Amen. So I'm saying, I don't see anything right now. Good. You're good to go. Don't dig something up. Don't look for trouble. Just keep serving the Lord. But when he deals with you, have everything on the table. He has access to all parts of life. Jesus seemed to deal real compassionately with those who were in sin, with those who were struggling, with those who had need. He dealt real sternly with those who were hypocritical. He, he dealt real strongly with those who wanted to follow him. It wasn't like, cool, we got another one, sign him up. Just trying to build his discipleship group. No, it was a little bit different. He almost had to qualify to get in. And what I mean by qualify, he would tell them up front what they're getting into. You sure you want to follow me? <laughs> you sure you want to come along when someone said, I'll one place, someone said, I'm going to go wherever, uh, wherever you go. And he said, you know, there's some nights I sleep on a rock. <laughs> some, some, some days I'm on the road I don't have anywhere to sleep you sure you want in on this you know people glamorize it but sometimes you know commitment's got to override and in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 then he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself now that's not a real popular word these days is it deny myself I need to be who I am I need to express myself not deny myself <laughs> but that's not what Jesus said you know it's very common you'll hear counsel these days of people saying well you got to take care of yourself first make sure you take care of yourself first because nobody else is going to take care of you and so you take care of yourself first how many know we should watch out whenever we use that word first? Make sure it goes in the right place. Because scripturally speaking, it's called God first, kingdom first, never me first. Even, even financially, financial instruction is oftentimes given uh, that you should pay yourself first. You ever heard that? You know, pay yourself first before you do everything else. No, 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 no. Let me... Let me debunk that. Don't pay yourself first. Give first if you want to pay yourself. In other words, talking about saving and investing and so forth. Fine. I think that's a good thing. That's a biblical thing. Do it second. All right? Because first needs to always be with the Lord. Jesus said here, you need to, if you want to come, come with me, you want to come after me, you need to learn how to deny yourself. You ever told yourself no? Should we practice? <laughs> Say it with me. Self? No. 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 <laughs> that wasn't very fun, was it? 
Sometimes you tell yourself no, and self will not be happy with you. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't tell me no. I sure can, and I will. And if you spout up again, it's going to be no tomorrow and no snack before bed. <laughs> Your flesh will sometimes act like an undisciplined two-year-old. And if you're not strong with it, man, it'll lead you down the garden path, <laughs> lead you astray. But this is one of the qualifiers for following the Lord Jesus. He said, you've got to learn how to say no to yourself. You can't give yourself everything you want when it, when, when it wants it. He said, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Isn't that like God? Man, you give it up for him, and here we go. He makes it something special and gives it back to you. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. This is God's way. Man, this works. This is God's plan for how this thing called Christianity, this thing called a relationship with God works. It's called, let's jump in, man, with everything we have, everything we are, and watch God go to work and take a life that was questionable at best and make it something amazing, make, make it something that glorifies Him. God can take the very worst. God can take the person who, who society has discarded as being worthless, as uh, someone who cannot be, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, not rejuvenated, but re, rehabilitated. You can't fix this person. They, man, you can't fix someone who's like that. They're, uh, they're, they're just too far gone. I tell you what, something put in the hands of God, He can do amazing things with it. Someone who thinks their life is, is already, man, I'm good. I'm good to go. My life is good. Now, you don't know anything but, but what it can be. You're measuring that by what you're experiencing. And God can do so much more. You don't have to be at the bottom of your rope, the end, you know, the end of your life, at the, you know, just at the, the, the lowest point in life to turn your life to Him. You could be in a situation where you feel like your life is pretty good. But I'm telling you, you don't know good. You only know it from your perspective. God wants to do so much more in you. He wants to make life so much better. Oh, how He loves us. This is being all in. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we just thank You so much for Your goodness and Your kindness. Thank You for Your love and Your mercy. Thank You for Your grace in this place. And thank You for touching every heart and every life leading us into a place of sold-out commitment, dedication to you in every area and in everything. Lord, thank you for touching our hearts, empowering, giving us the spark of life that we might do what's right, that we might live for you, that we might live dedicated, fully devoted to the things of you. We give you praise today and thank you now. Not only do you lead us in what we should do or what we should not do, 
you empower us? And this is not by our might, but it is by your Spirit. Your Spirit working in us today. We give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord, for working in us now. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us now. For strengthening us today. For strengthening us today.